Welcome friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life. And we both know that that life starts inside of you. If you want to say goodbye to anxiety, frustration, and negative self-talk and say hello to peace, mindfulness, gratitude, and living your best life, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not social conditioning, and not your past. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready. It's time to feel incredible from the inside out. Hey there. Thanks so much for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, the absolute best way as always to support is by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love. It would also mean the world to me if you could leave a review because leaving a review ensures that other people around the world get access and informed of this powerful content. So thank you so much in advance. Also, make sure to stay to the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge this week to upgrade your health and your well-being. All right. So time and energy are two aspects of our lives most of us want more of, time and energy. But these two important aspects of our lives can easily get lost when we fall into the chaotic demands of our day. But what I've come to learn is that so often we believe that we're tired or exhausted because of all the physical things we're doing and all the tasks that we're taking on. But many of us don't recognize that these feelings are a result of our internal experience as well. Our thoughts, stories, beliefs that loop and loop actually drain our energy and often don't serve our highest well-being if they're not in alignment with our own truth and our highest intentions. And so our thoughts, stories, and beliefs, the ones that don't serve us, that loop and loop and loop, they actually drain our energy and don't serve our highest well-being. And so one of the core principles that I teach my clients is to go within and to become aware of the stories that drain us, such as overcommitment, comparison, jealousy, people-pleasing, and a lack of internal boundaries. And to help us dive deep into this fascinating topic of energy management, I'm sitting down with Sarah Dean. Sarah is the founder of Effect UX and the creator of EMQ, a research-based system that rapidly and accurately pinpoints de-energizing behaviors and transforms them into positively energizing habits through informative content, coaching, and behavioral modification. Sarah has a background in AI, experience design, and human behavior, and has been recognized and featured by South by Southwest, America's Women Leadership Conference and Executive Presence for Women at Stanford, as well as platforms such as the Huffington Post, CIO Magazine, and many more. I personally worked with Sarah and went through her EMQ program. I was not at all surprised that by the end of our time together, I had upgraded several beliefs that were unconsciously draining my energy. And so if you've ever felt drained, unenergized, or simply exhausted by your day-to-day routine, you don't want to miss this powerful conversation that I'm going to have with Sarah now. 
Hi, Sarah. Good morning. Thanks so much for being here. I am so grateful that I've gotten to know you over the past four months, specifically in going through your diagnostic and development system called EMQ. And I'm just really excited to have this beautiful conversation today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited too. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to hear about how, first and foremost, how you really got into this work this intersection of behavioral and cognitive science and AI and how you develop the system to really expedite the pace of positive change across human experience, whether that's in leadership or well-being um, and really helping people recognize where they're putting their energy in and how to transfer that into more productive and positive positive ways and approach. So can we start there? Can we just start on how you created such an incredible system and what got you into this work? Oh, well, thank you for the kind words. Um, but it's been, it's been an interesting journey. So I actually started out in artificial intelligence, so AI. That's where I got my master's and spent some time in that. And I, I really like data and algorithms. I just find it really fascinating. I think they're incredibly powerful and, and we can use them in good ways. But what I found out was that was I was certainly not a coder <laughs> by any means, um, but I more love the behavioral and the brain side to it all. You can call me like an avid people watcher, right? But that led me to my second part, so behavioral and cognitive science. And I was super lucky at that time I got to travel all around the globe studying humans, how they perform, engagement, things like that. Um, and the way I brought that all together was in experience design. And that arranged throughout my career, products, services, events, spaces. Um, but what I noticed was, was that when it came to measurement, whether we were measuring employee experience, you know, leadership skills, we always got great insights back, but we never knew what to do. It was like, oh, great, great. I know all this information. Now what do I do next, right? And um, given what I knew about data and algorithms, I was like, okay, we've got to be able to do measurements in a better way. So I created a, a way of measuring that we call success modeling. And it's, it's based on the theory that if you can create the ecosystem across mindset, behavior, and environment in which a goal will most naturally occur, that's when you can make the best decisions. So if you take weight loss, for example, say your goal is to lose weight, well, we know from lots of data and research um, what's needed to do that, right? So if you think about environmental factors, that could be access to healthy food. If you think about mindset, that can be the willpower to say, hey, today I'm going to have the side salad, not the French fries, right? Something that I still struggle with. <laughs> and then the behavioral aspect, right, is I'm going to take a walk or exercise for 30 minutes a day. So there's all these mindsets, behaviors, and environmental factors that are going to expedite how quickly you lose the weight and how well you can sustain that weight loss. We wanted to do that for all goals, right? So we started out doing that and then before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, if anyone can remember a life before the pandemic, pre-pandemic life, stress and anxiety were increasing, right? People were just mm -hmm. not feeling good. They weren't able to bring their whole selves to life. It was like everyone you spoke to was depleted. It was like, oh, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. You know, oh, I'm so busy, but I'm good. Like it was just, it was like everyone was starting to get drained and that was before the pandemic hit. And so we decided, you know, can we use this same technique to address this area because there were so many health and wellness solutions, right? There was something like 165,000 apps for it at the time, but yet we're seeing stress and anxiety and burnout and all these things increasing or, you know, very worrying rates. So obviously there was a gap. And so that was our way to say, can we, can we help? Can we address that gap? You know, and we set out to answer this question, what is needed for people to perform and feel their best? And that's where the journey kind of began. We started with that question and then we used our process to, to answer it, you know, and that kind of takes the form of 
lots of data, you know, global research, expert articles, books, and we kind of model over that. Yeah, with a very individualized approach, which I love because it's very specific to the person, which I absolutely loved when we we did, when we did it together. It was like looking specifically at my behaviors, my mindset and my perfectionism at where I was directing my energy and where I was depleting my energy and feeling burned out at the end of the day. And so we took all that data and then you know, broke it down into the very individual person, which I absolutely loved. And it was so profound to just <laughs> witness oh, my exactly. own belief systems. And for so long, I I always thought as energy output as, okay, I'm going to work out, I'm running around, I'm doing errands, I'm, you know, <laughs> taking my four dogs to get their shaves that day and like, you know, to the daycare <laughs> exactly, and, right, right. you know, and like, and that's what's depleting my energy. And I never correlated with what's actually happening in my mind. And that was the biggest awakening for me was the the energy depletion that came from my own personal thoughts and where I directed my attention versus what I was actually physically doing throughout the day. So it was completely eye-opening for me. So let's dive into what EMQ is and why this energy management is so important. And really this idea, which I recognize through working with you, and I was so excited to work with you. I woke up every day, um, not every day, but the days that we ended up working together at 6am because I was like, I will take any time. Uh, right? Energizing for you. I was so. like, I will do any time to, to do this work. And I loved it. And let's talk about yeah how it impacts every area of your life because that's what I noticed as well is that the mind really is going with you in every single part of your life. So we think often our energy is just going to maybe our relationship or just going to our career or just going to our family. But what I discovered was that the mind and the belief systems are really caring with us from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. And that's what's most of the depletion specifically for me. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, where shall we start? So yes. <laughs> with EMQ. Um, EMQ, so it stands for energy management quotient, right? And, it, and as you've mentioned, it's diagnostic and development. And it, its point is to remove this set of critical blockers to human capacity. That's what we found out through all of this research and all this data was that there's this core set of, of competencies that give you capacity. And capacity is really what it comes down to. Like you said, you carry with you your belief systems throughout the day. It impacts all the decisions you make. And what we found out was that the level of capacity you have is what impacts everything, right? So if you think about your relationships, you have less capacity. You don't have the space to understand where someone's coming from. You don't have the space to be compassionate. You don't have the space to be as empathetic as you probably want to be, right? It impacts your performance. If you don't have the capacity to actually give to the tasks, right? You could be doing everything and checking all these boxes, but if you don't have the capacity to give it, then it might not be as good quality output. You might feel drained when you're trying to work. You know that feeling when you're feeling a little like off, you know, your energy's down, but you're still trying to crank out the work, right? You know, it's not your best work that you're putting out there. Impacts your well-being. You have less space to process emotions. That increases your stress, right? We just keep going and going. We shove emotions to the side, but they're still there. And then it impacts your creativity and innovation because when you don't have capacity, your brain can't think of solutions, right? That's why so many times you you pop into the shower and then an idea comes. You're like, oh, that's the answer. Oh, that's what I'm going to try, right? It's because you suddenly have a moment for your brain to say, oh yeah, here's the solution. When it has no space, it can't do that work, right? So unlocking your human capacity is the very core. It's almost like, you know, that's the holy grail of optimal living is like, how do you manage your capacity? How do you unlock more capacity? 
That's so true. And what I have found personally is that when I'm in that space of meditation or I'm quieting my mind or I'm going on that walk in nature, specifically when I think back when I'm alone, that's when the ideas come to me. And that's when I have the solution. And that's when I can see multiple avenues for the way to solve the problems or to to speed up the solution. And so um, I think that that's so important for the listeners to hear because so often we think, okay, well, that's going to take so much more time to sit in meditation and I'm not being productive or I'm not, you know, if I go on that nature walk, I'm not actually going to be able to solve that problem because I need to be in front of my computer, but it's actually in the space outside of the doing that we can, we can find the solution to things. So there's this cool concept that I've heard you share often, which is humans are one energy source. And so I would love to hear about how you and your team really address the whole human approach as it relates so closely to how I work with clients and the holistic approach to well-being. Sure, sure. So you think of energy, it's our fuel, right? Mm -hmm. It's the fuel that we have. And like you said, people think of it as their physical things, you know, I'm exercising, I'm eating, et cetera, but it also expands to the mind and there is only one of us, right? There's only one of you, as much as we'd like to to have five of us in a day, there is only one of us. And what people do is they try to split themselves across all the roles that they play. I'll be 100% employee, 100% parent, 100% partner, right? 100% to every single role. And if you're only one source, you only have a hundred percent. So it's a hundred percent that you need to harmonize across all the demands on your time and energy. So you have to see yourself as the whole person, right? So that's why the evaluation, the development techniques treat you as the whole person, the signals we get back, you know, your behaviors, your way of thinking, those blockers, they could be showing up professionally or personally in this relationship or that, or across your whole life. Right. But it's important to think of just life, not work me, parent me, uh, sibling me, child me. It's just me right? Because we carry our thoughts with us, like you said, throughout our our days. So if I have an argument with my partner, I might be thinking about it while I'm on a call for work. My mental capacity is still being used up, right? I I, I don't suddenly switch brains and then, then go into work mode, right? And so many solutions focus on like, you know, who you are in a certain moment or like, you know, performance for work related, but we have to go deeper. We have to understand the human, how they're thinking, how they're processing the world around them, and then apply that across the different areas of your life. Absolutely. And I, I keep getting flashes of social media. And when we go into the, to the comparison and the jealousy and the traps of bigger, better life, that energy is carrying with us throughout the day. And so whether we choose it consciously or unconsciously, that is impacting our relationships, impacting our friendships, our community, our our work environment. And it is so crucial. And what I loved about this process was really recognizing, okay, how is it that I'm relating to these different experiences? And then how is that relation to those experiences impacting, like you said, me going into a dinner, yet I just fell into the trap of like, I'm not doing good enough in my entrepreneur career. I'm not like, I'm, I'm feeling not enoughness in my relationship. I'm feeling, you know, challenged about my infertility journey or whatever it was, I was carrying those thoughts. And then we were able to identify this sort of perfectionism trap that was my experience, which I recognized that was depleting my energy across all accounts. And that's what I absolutely love about this process. It's like, 
we can't compartmentalize our lives anymore. We have to really recognize that everything is related to every other aspect, whether we're conscious of it or unconscious, but it really does, really does impact us across all. Exactly right. And, you know, you touched on a, a, a really good point about comparisons, right? Mm-hmm. People waste so much mental energy on comparisons. But the thing you have to remember is, is is what we see is not the full picture, right? So if you take this totally put together mom, she's working a full-time job, she's turning up, collecting her kids, looking amazing. And you're like, oh my God, how is she doing it all? Right? And you start thinking like, oh, I didn't even comb my hair this morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't see what happened just before or just after. You don't know what she thinks or how she feels. So comparison is completely futile, right? You have to train yourself to compare yourself to yourself against your own value system, your own goals from within. Because I always explain it like it's running a race, right? You're you're running a race, but if you keep turning your head to compare where you are to everyone else, you're just going to run slower. If you just keep your eye only on the finish line and how you're going to get there, then you invest all your energy into getting there. You run faster, you run better. It's the same thing, right? In comparisons, I'm so glad you brought it up because it's just, it's so pointless, yet everyone wastes so much mental energy doing Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. I actually was just thinking about this yesterday. I was like, even if I'm spending 15, 20 minutes on Instagram scrolling other people's lives, and it's probably more than that a day, think of how many days of my life... (laughs) Oh, that, that becomes, <laughs> right? We think about yeah. it only as, oh, it's a few minutes a day. It's not a problem. But then I think about, okay, how many le- how many days of my life if I'm, am I giving away to someone else's experience? And then not only that, when we started to do this work, I started to think about how much energy of my existence am I giving away to other people's lives? And that's not calculable, right? Like I can't yeah. calculate that yet. Because so, impact, right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's so key because has the, look, if you're using it for inspiration and to learn, that's wonderful, right? It's a growth tool if you're using it, but then finding yourself in the loop of comparison, it really comes down to like energy is kind of like money, right? Mm-hmm. You can save it, spend it, and you can give it to others and you can invest it. And how wisely you do those things is going to impact how rich you are. So if you are giving it away willy nilly, but it's not giving you the return you want, then that's not a great investment, right? Absolutely. It's been so eye-opening. So for me, (laughs) since our work, I've moved my social media accounts to a business phone that I use during the day. And of course, I want to engage with my audience and I want to show up there, but I also want it to be this energetic boundary at the end of my day. So it's not impacting, you know, my dinners, it's not impacting my present moment time with my husband. It's not impacting my other relationships. It's not impacting how I feel when I go to bed, when I wake up. And so I think we all have to really discern what is needed in terms of boundaries in order for us to really create these, these energy reserves, which um, has been such an instrumental part of, of really managing this pandemic with a little bit more ease and grace, which, which I've found to be super, super helpful. And so from there, can you share some other common ways that maybe we drain our energy that may be unconscious, meaning that we feel depleted, but subconsciously are unaware of how we're getting to that place or possibly some ways that people maybe are missing out on performing their absolute best? Sure. Yeah. So comparisons is one. Um, another really big one is, is what we call shoulds and expectations. And that's kind mm. of the feeling that you have to be a certain way, respond a certain way, or be anything other than your authentic self. And that that really drains you. Even the small moments where you're like, oh, I should really do this. You know, those drain you because wearing a mask 
takes energy. It's depleting, right? Your mind is in a little bit of disarray. It, there's some there's some incongruence there, right? It doesn't feel good. And we can do it without even realizing it, stemming from all sorts of reasons that we be, built up these belief systems. But anytime we're feeling these shifts and expectations, it's directing our decisions and our choices. It means we're not operating by our own code of conduct, right? We're letting external forces influence our outcomes and how we're feeling. So that's a big one. And then you touched on it, boundaries, you know, that's another big one. It's very linked. And that's the thing about energy. Things are so linked. You start working in one area and suddenly you see benefit, you know, all over the place. Um, but boundaries is very linked to shifts and expectations too, because shifts and expectations drives what you say yes and no to. And we see this all the time. Look, you know, boundaries are a great tool to protect your time and energy and capacity, right? And there's all kinds of boundaries and there's mental ones too. So when we don't have mental boundaries, like good, healthy mental boundaries, we get what we call mind creep. Right, mm-hmm. your capacity is used elsewhere, so you can't be present. You don't take in as much information, and people just don't even realize that they wake up and then they spend the day reactively. They react to all the demands that come up and the things that pop up and the asks of them, rather than proactively directing their energy and focus. So it's every time something comes up and you say yes, mm-hmm. you have to remember that you're saying no to something else because so you can't keep adding. Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Right. You just keep saying yes, but you know, the day's not getting any longer. So all of a sudden we're very busy, but maybe we don't feel good or maybe we're not progressing. At an unconscious level, where does overcommitting usually come from? Is it the insecurity of disappointing? Is that where it's mostly driven from or are there different? I'm, I'm assuming for most people, there could be different stories behind that, but do you see one specific area where it's like, okay, this is, this is usually the unconscious belief or wounding pattern around this overcommitment? Yeah. So that, there's definitely a couple, right? So people pleasing is one. You know, if you're driven to people, please, um, you just want to kind of do for everyone. And that's, you just tend to say yes, right? You, you know, you want to do it. If there's an underlying people pleasing tendency, perfectionism can be one too, because you feel like you should be able to do it all. Mm-hmm. I should be able to do this and that and this. Oh, someone asked me that. I should be able to do it too, because, hey, you know, like this is how I should be, right? So some perfectionism traits there. So it really depends on where their stories come from. You know, Mm -hmm. what built the story in the first place that drives you to keep saying yes. But people-pleasing is a big one. Perfectionism is a big one. Shoulds and expectations is a big one. You know, you have some expectation of your your abilities that you should be able to uh, do everything, right? You should be able to fit it all in rather than be um, proactive. Yeah. For me, I think the overcommitting was the inability or the desire to feel like I was pushing so hard because I didn't want to actually confront what was underneath. And so for me, I was like, if I, if I slow down and I say no, and I take this time for myself and I actually maintain some of this energy for myself and the, my own self-care, then that means I have to be with my feelings and my emotions yeah. and my thoughts yeah. and my stories. And that means I have to do the work. And it's interesting because when I started to slow down, what I've realized from probably the last couple months is that I actually went into a little bit of sadness and loneliness and depression because mm-hmm. I was allowing myself to actually feel for the first mm-hmm. time. And that felt scary. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. oh, wow, you haven't processed what's actually happened the last couple of years. And so yeah. now, now you're choosing to. And it's also beautiful because on the other side of that feeling is this energy reserve and this freedom that you yes. know existed. But yeah. it takes that sort of courage, right? To say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm willing to look at this. And again, this is why I love your process because it 
for me, it was someone handholding me through what courageously I wasn't willing to confront for a really long time. And so I think that's that's something else for the listeners to hear is that this is often challenging to do alone. But if you have someone, you have a guidance, you have a program kind of taking you one step at a time, it can be really instrumental in, in kind of waking you up to these beliefs and then allowing you to s- step into your power, right? And have the courage to really do the do the deeper work. Absolutely. And you know, the the key is exactly what you said there. It's giving yourself the space to to reconcile with things, right? We we push them aside, we keep going, next task, next task. How many people don't tell me, I can compartmentalize it. It's okay. I just I I was busy with this other task. It's like, okay, so you were distracted for a moment and it got pushed over there. But Mm -hmm. it's still just there because you haven't addressed it and it might creep out in other ways, right? You might snap at someone, you might develop some destructive behaviors, right? It's going to come out somewhere if you don't handle it, if you don't deal with it. And it can be so scary to be vulnerable. It really can. But what I found is even in my own journey, right? Vulnerability is certainly not a weakness. In fact, when you are comfortable with everything that you are, Mm -hmm. there is nothing anyone can do to you. There's nothing anyone can say to you. There's no power they have over you because you yourself have confronted things and you are comfortable with it. And that is the most, the most confidence boosting thing you could ever do for yourself is fully confront yourself and be okay with it. You know? Yeah. I love that. And then getting to a place where we're, we're vulnerably sharing from a place of empowerment. And I think that that's what, that's what I've noticed with my life is that the moment I've allowed myself to actually share the truth, I'm no yes. longer hiding in the shame that someone's going to find out something about my past. Or even when I started working as a health coach, I was so scared to talk about the fact that I had eating disorders because I was like, they're, they're going to discredit me as a coach. Like I'm not going to be valued as a coach. And how can we trust this girl who had 10 years of eating disorders and worked in the fashion industry? And I lived with so much shame and that shame was my energy output. Like I was giving yeah. so much energy to the like, what if I'm, what if I'm called out on this? What if they find out who I was? And I learned so much from my husband because he he lives with like none of that. I don't know what his patterning is, but he literally wakes up and is like, I did things in the past that I don't do now and I don't believe in now and I've learned my lessons. And if people find out, they find out. Like there's no yeah. story about it. He's like, I was a yeah. promoter. I went to jail. I got in fights. Yeah. Like yeah, I did drugs. And like none of that is going to his energy reserve. And I think that's why he's so productive is because yeah. he doesn't live in a story that I made a mistake yesterday. Um, he will absolutely apologize and say he's sorry if he recognizes he did wrong, but he doesn't yeah. live in that live in that story over and over and over again. Exactly. Because we're not our past, right? And I find that this is one of my things that I always remember. First of all, we are the absolute sum total of all of our decisions, Mm -hmm. which means just the decisions you made today, you know, learn from it and move on. It doesn't make you who you are. We are, we are not the same, but it's completely futile to compare ourselves to our past selves, right? That's what I say. I can't compare myself to my 23 year old self, right? I could certainly do different things when I was 23 to now, right? It's completely futile. I'm not the same person. You're not the same person tomorrow that you are today. So it just, it, it's futile to go back and, and, you know, swim in shame and guilt. And, and we all do it, right? Mm-hmm. We all do it. But the moment that you confront it and reconcile it, you suddenly are free. Mm-hmm. It Absolutely. So what if this person over there is judging me? Let them use their energy on the judgment, right? <laughs> like I'm not going to use my energy. That's right? so true. 
And then if we get attached to their judgment, then our energy is depleted. And now we don't have the reserve to go and, you know, show up for our family, show up for our partner, show up for our job, show up for our life, because we're depleting our energy because someone else outside of our internal world, or even, even most likely it's someone online or someone who who was triggered by an experience because they haven't done their work is now depleting our energy. And we're choosing that, of course, like we're choosing to allow it to happen. But it's so interesting when we think about it in in that term. So I absolutely love that. And I think that brings me to my next point, which is what it feels like. And I think a lot of listeners can relate to this. So this was my truth. It's like, I felt like I was doing everything right. Like I was like, I'm eating clean. I'm moving my body. I'm meditating. I'm doing these mindfulness practices. And yet I'm still feeling drained. I still feel drained at the end of the day. I still feel drained when I wake up. And it's in that, right? That we think we're doing everything right. That I think that is the kind of the wake up call that it's probably our mental construct. It's like the way we think and the way we believe and the stories we have that are impacting how we feel. And so I would love to dive a little bit more into this in terms of just how the quote unquote, like things we Google, right? To be healthy, don't add up to necessarily feeling energized. Yes. Yes. And you know, so I I do want to say all these techniques and solutions, they all have great benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. it's the full value of them is not necessarily mm-hmm. unlocked or they're going to take you even longer to see the level of impact you want. And that's because of those blockers, right? It's the things that are blocking you, the way you think and the way that you process the world around you. So I'll give you some examples. Take someone who suffers from rumination, right? They overplay their thoughts over and over again. So in their meditation, maybe they're not actually able to shut off their mind as easily. So they can't get to a place of, of you know, you know, just being because they're they've got these overplaying thoughts or take someone who feels great when they meditate but the next day in a stressful moment when they can't pull out that meditation app or they can't get to meditate they can't make the best decision because their automatic response system is driven from perfectionism right so it's about removing the blockers to unlock the power and it's the same as someone say someone's eating right and you, and you know this better right you're eating right but you're not losing weight so it could be that you're stressed from repetitive negative thoughts. The stress is causing cortisol and mm-hmm. that's making it harder to lose weight. So you're eating right, but there's something blocking you from losing weight. So it's the same thing, right? To maximize the value of all these other things, you have to address your blockers. You have to strengthen your mind and work it out because it's just like a muscle as well. I love that. And I love this idea of like compassion and forgiveness because I do think there's this sort of... This sort of, especially when we dive into well-being, I see a lot of my clients go down this this road of like, okay, well now I know all the things I need to do, and then I feel bad if I'm not doing them all. Mm-hmm. Instead mm-hmm. of the compassion and love for, I showed up today and I did the best I could, and you know I'm going to hold my heart at the end of the day and offer myself a little bit of forgiveness that I did everything oh, yeah. that was possible with the time and that I was allowed and and the allowance of energy that I had. So I think that that's also such a beautiful way to think about it is just recognize okay, well, what are the things we're putting into place that might be considered wellness practices or well-being practices? But then if we're holding ourselves to such a high standard of them, that's not going to support us either. 
Exactly right. If it becomes a pressure, Mm -hmm. if it becomes a should and expectation on your life, Mm -hmm. then it's no longer probably serving you well. And this is why I say people rush to, you know, we've kind of been conditioned this way and honestly Mm -hmm. to create these, these goals and they have to be so, you know, completely perfect goals. Like I am going to work out for 30 minutes every day, but then life gets busy and we don't, and then we feel bad. So I always tell people, depending on where you are, right, depending on where you're starting off, what's your baseline, let's just start with something very simple. Every day I'm going to spend a little time to myself. There's no pressure on the time. There's no pressure on the activity. It could be five minutes one day, 10 minutes the next day, but I'm just going to start somewhere. That enforces to your brain, hey, I chose myself and it felt good. And slowly it will become easier for you to adopt other behaviors and stuff. But we try and do everything all at once, right? And I go back to weight loss because it's a journey that, you know, I'm familiar with too. So, It's like, look, you know, you wake up one day, you're like, I'm going to cut out carbs. I'm going to cut out alcohol. I'm going to start exercising. And all of a sudden, three days later, you're on a binge fest eating, you know, McDonald's, a few chocolate bars. You're like, well, I've done this for three days. I'm super unhappy and it didn't do anything. And you give up. But it's the same with everything else, right? Mm -hmm. You can't do too much at once. You have to work with where you're at work with your capacity. And as you do that, you'll get more capacity and then you'll be able to do more, you know, but we can't have these grand expectations on ourselves that are so misaligned. Now that's not to say don't push yourself, right? That's not to give you an excuse to say, you know what, just don't do it. But it's to say, you know, look, be accountable, right? Don't make justifications, reflect. Did I do it? Did I not do it? And forgive yourself. Okay. I didn't do it, but why not? What's the barrier to me doing this? right? Behavior change is all about removing barriers. Mm-hmm. If I want to eat healthily, like have a, say, I say, I'm, I'm going to have a salad every day for lunch and I don't find myself doing it, right? At the end of the day, I say, did I, did I not? No, I didn't. I, three days later, I still didn't. The question is, why not? Well, I didn't have time. Okay. So you have to either make time or make it easier to do. Right. So maybe you right. do meal prep on Sunday, right? So you can grab that salad real fast. It's the same thing with everything else. It's how do I make this behavior easy to adopt? Yeah. And that's why diets don't work. We see, right. it, oh, we see right. it over and over and over and over again. And it just, I think part of it is the comparison. Part of it's the jealousy. Part of it's the quick fix. Like it, it looks so easy online because you only see the before and after picture. You don't see all the work in between. You know, I think it's, I think there's so many of these mental constructs that we, mm-hmm. we place on it that that then we get frustrated. And so I think it's very important to come back to this model of what is one simple thing I can do for my well-being today. And even with my entrepreneurial journey, I have to keep reminding myself like, okay, these masterminds I'm in with my husband, like these people have been doing this 10, 20, 30 years. <laughs> like I just started. And if I if I go into the story of like I have to be there, I'm going to do the same thing that I did when I was dieting, which is get frustrated, get fed up, like want to quit. And I have to remember one baby step at a time. And the remembrance of like, it is my mental behavior, right? It's the stories and the, and, and the mental blockers that are preventing me from taking that one step. So if it's like I committed to myself to do something and I don't do it, what is that story behind that? And getting curious. I think that that's what really was so empowering from this work. It's this idea of curiosity and intrigue. And instead of being frustrated, how do we turn that into, okay, I'm going to get curious about what it is that is blocking me from 
this specific action or taking this action that I know on the other side of that, I'm going to feel good and be proud of and be inspired by. And so can we, can you define blockers for us just so people who don't have that terminology can kind of understand that really quick? Yes. Yes. So um, as I said, we found these eight competencies, right? The stronger you are in them, the Mm -hmm. more optimal state you are in, the more capacity you have, but the blockers are the things that hinder those right? They hinder your capacity. They block you from being positively energized. So in other words, they're draining you, right? Mm. They're the things that are literally limiting your capacity and therefore your potential. So we call them blockers because they, they often stem from these mental blocks from these stories and we remove them by retraining the brain, right? We focus the brain to, to use good information, accurate information. I love what you said about curiosity because half of the battle is that questioning why you're doing something. Where's it coming from? We're training the brain to know, Hey, there's a different way to think about this. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's reinforce better decision-making processes. Yeah. And for the listeners who might be a little bit confused about this process, just from a listener's perspective. So can you share how we kind of did this work together and just to kind of, you're probably better than me to eloquently kind of talk them through this process so that I know, like, you know, the steps that are involved in the, the input of data that then, you know, you get sort of this overview of of the changes that can be made that will really create this, this different level of, of thinking and, and productivity. Sure. Let me start with the process and then maybe we can dive into the, the role of the stories because mm-hmm. I think that's important as well. So, you know, the process starts with your evaluation, right? We have to identify what's hindering you, right? What is draining your energy and also what's fueling your energy because your fuel, the things that positively energize you are important so you can use them to, to kind of remove your blockers or reduce their impact. So it starts with assessment. Let's get a really clear picture for those things, how you're thinking about the world, how your mind's working. We start there. And from there, we construct a kind of journey. It starts with figuring out the origin, the origin of your beliefs and the stories that are driving you to make certain decisions that are depleting your energy. We start with that. It's an exploration phase. After that, we build different awareness. We build awareness around how things are showing up in your life, the decisions you're making, the impact. And then we start practicing techniques. And what that is doing is it's training your brain, hey, there's a different way to to approach this. There's a different path that you can go down now because what our brain does is automatically goes off down a path. What we want to do is figure out that moment, that trigger moment, and then train it to go down another path. And it sounds all very long, right? But it isn't, right? Sarah, and you can attest to that. It doesn't take that long, right? To, mm-hmm. to start that journey and have a new thought process. And I think that's where, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves is really important. So um, maybe we can just talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a really, really important piece of this. And once we kind of integrate these new stories and these new belief systems, how are we shifting our external environment to also validate those new belief systems instead yes. of going back into the old stories? Because our external environment, and that was the first part of this conversation, was that was one of the three things, what we have in our environment really does impact whether those stories get integrated or not. And I've had to notice myself really shift my dynamics, like my, my conversations with my parents, the boundaries I set with them, my conversations with even my husband, the conversations I have with my friends, you know, setting up these different boundaries and really navigating my external environment so that my new stories that are being imprinted now reflect how I relate to 
my external world. Exactly. Exactly. So it all comes down to, to choices, right? You're making conscious choices. So every choice we make fuels or deplete us. So Sarah, how many, how many conscious or remotely conscious choices do you think we make a day? I would say thousands. <laughs> yeah, you're right. right? Yeah. So some sources will say 35,000. Oh my gosh. I was going to say 20, but I was like, that right? feels heavy. <laughs> right? So what yeah. to wear, what to do, what word to use in the moment. Mm-hmm. And these choices are all based on information that your brain has stored. So you can think of it like your mind has a library. Your, your mind, your brain is like in this black box, right? All it has is the information it takes in, what you see, what you hear, and the information stored in this library. And it uses that to make its best guess. If the information in your brain's library isn't good, right, then your choices are not optimal. So for example, say you see a shadow outside, Perhaps you watch scary movies, right? And shadows are often some scary person with some bad intention. So you see a shadow outside, the brain receives this image, it goes off to its library and it says, ha, this is bad, right? That's likely a person coming to cause you harm. And then you respond that way. For that moment, until you realize it's a tree, you have fear, right? Your brain interpreted the moment like that using the information. Why? Because there were some books stored telling your brain that shadows outside are likely bad. So in your library are the books of your life. They are the stories that form your belief systems and they've been created by your experiences, your childhood, society, cultural norms. They create the rules that you use to make decisions. So if you were once when you were young told you'd amount to nothing, perhaps that story was created about the fact that you're not worth it right? And that Mm -hmm. led to imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Now in your adult life, maybe you're always questioning your achievements. Maybe you don't even see them, right? Maybe you've created an image of how you should be and that you judge yourself against that image. From that moment that the story was created, your brain uses the information to make decisions and it impacts how you feel and respond. And that gets validated, right? Your belief leads to an action, which leads to an outcome. And we interpret it as validation. And really it's just feeding the story. So I'll give you an example of that too. Say, say you people please, right? Someone asks you to do something, you bend over backwards to do it, right? But really, <laughs> if you said that you couldn't have, they would have just done something else and it would have been fine. They have no idea how much you went through to do it. And you do this thing for them and then they say, thank you so much, Sarah, right? Which is completely normal. You do something for someone and they say, thank you. But that gets interpreted by your brain as validation. Phew. You know, either it's they like me or thank God I done that for them. Oh, look how I showed up. Right. It gets interpreted as validation. It feeds your story. And that's why it feels so much a part of who we are. People tell me all the time, oh, that's just me. That's just who I am. But it's not. It is not in your DNA. When you were a baby coming into this world, you did not come into the world pleasing people. Right. Right. (laughs) It was created. It was a learned behavior. And that means we can unwire it. Yeah, right? we can rewrite the stories. Yeah, absolutely. And from a spiritual approach, which I believe is, we actually came into this world to have a joyful, abundant, beautiful experience. Yes. And so, and that's and and that worthiness and and what we desire is actually our birthright. And we all have a different desire, of course, based on our our soul's purpose. But it's interesting how we can apply a lot of this data and science to these more spiritual or esoteric beliefs of, you know, that, that we really are supposed to be having a more joyful, aligned life. That is that, yes, there will be hard work. Yes. There will be challenges. Yes. That's part of our experience, but it's also meant to be that we vibrationally attract and bring into our life, the very existence of what we are, which is pure love and light. And so I love that we can kind of 
play around with these different concepts and have them interchangeable. Which is so cool. So, so cool. I wanted to talk about this one question I get asked so often from specifically people who maybe apply for coaching or they're scared to start this process. And that is this idea of like, okay, Sarah, I'm scared to put this lens on my life because of what I'll find out. And I know that that first step can be so overwhelming. And I've even been in this space where I will sign up for a program. I'll push it back a month. I'll push it back two months. I'll (laughs) wait a little bit, you know, I'll I'll delay the therapy I need, you know, I need or whatever the case may be, or I'll know I'll have a really challenging conversation I need to have with my therapist and I'll just like push it off for two to three weeks. (laughs) Um, So for those people who are kind of in this position where they're like, this sounds amazing, but it also feels very uncomfortable to start to witness what's actually happening in my brain. Can we talk a little bit about how we can move through this belief and really start to recognize that this isn't like an up, like an uprooting of their entire lives. This is more of like a gentle approach to allowing ourselves to become aware of, of what's there. And that's the key word you used, you know, awareness. Awareness is everything, right? Yet we sometimes like to exist in our in, in our ignorance, right? Because it feels fine, it's comfortable. We know it, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, the thing about awareness is there's levels. And most people think of it just as self-awareness, like how you know how I'm feeling, like I'm very self-aware. But there's a deeper sense of self, you know, what do things mean? What's my triggers? There's an awareness to the outside world, to others, and then there's contextual awareness, you know, how aware you are of everything and how you use that information to to make decisions. So it's all about really just growing your awareness and the key here is to reframe it reframe how you see it just see it simply as a step in unlocking your potential it's not something that's going to highlight all these flaws right remember what we found these things are completely universal everyone experiences them to some combination and level the most put together person you know still has some of these playing right Mm -hmm. so just seeing your results will start you thinking and the awareness alone will start you asking the questions and to your beautiful way of putting it, being curious, right? Reframe how you're seeing it. It's just a step. No one else sees it, right? You get your information, you decide what you do with it. So like anything, right? It's, it's in your control, like how much you put into something. So say you take your car for a maintenance check, right? You're just seeing what's happening. The mechanic gives you some recommendations and then you decide what you do with it. But at least you know, right? So it's just about how do you see it, right? We often amplify and we decorate things with all this emotion and these what ifs, but really it's just a step. That's all it is. It's a step to gain some information. It's not being blasted out anywhere. It's between you and that report and that's it, right? And then you can decide because people have these reactions when they think about anything to do with mental well-being. you know, although it is getting to be more comfortable and more conversations mm-hmm. are happening, mm-hmm. there is this whole thing associated to it. And the key to remember is, is mental well-being isn't about saying there's anything wrong with you. Mental well-being is simply showing up as fully as possible, your full self to life. And that is something that I fundamentally believe everybody deserves. We deserve to give ourselves fully to life so that we can go ahead and do whatever it is that we want to do. And, and that's all it really is, right? And, and that's all really mental well-being is. It's saying I can show up fully and give my full capacity to life. And when you see it like that, it's like, okay, well, why wouldn't you want to do it? <laughs> why wouldn't you want to show up, right? It's, just, it's, it's all about just reframing how you see it. Yeah. And I, and I love this idea of 
that you shared, which is we're not alone in this and everyone has their own experience of this and that it's universal, that we all have these sort of belief systems that hold us back from our greatest potential. And I even think what I've noticed from the entrepreneurs who are really honest and transparent, who have built these massive businesses and are really successful, they share often how the wounding or how the stories underneath and the depletion actually push them to that space because of ego or because of, you know, different experiences that they're interpreting in their brain, but that has led to well-being burnout. It's led to adrenal fatigue. It's led to health issues. It's led to a lot of other aspects, like you said earlier, that we never see. We never see any of that. And so I think, again, it's coming back to saying, okay, well, the Instagram Pinterest life is not actually accurate. And all of us want to inherently be part of community, want to be part of connection. And we never want to be the odd one out. That's just in our DNA. And so when we can remember that we all suffer from this energy depletion, we all suffer from these mental stories that we create that are projected upon us that aren't really ours, that we've taken on, that then impact how we relate to the world. It allows us to feel less alone in the experience. And I think that that's one of the most important things because we can create such a divide, right? With, with what we see online and what we believe yeah. true to be our, in ourselves. And then we have a story that there's something wrong with us and yeah. there's absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I tell people, I say like, you're looking, you're looking at all these pictures and stuff and you're, you're comparing yourself or whatever. But like, if you really stop for a second and think about it, like who in their right mind is taking a picture of themselves looking terrible and then posting it out there, right? Like, like, of course they're going to try and put out something that looks good, right? Because everyone's driven to do that. So, so you're not seeing the hundred other pictures of their day. You don't have the the video reel of their whole life or the day or what happened just before then, you know, like we said before. So it's like, you know, we're in the moment, we see it and then off your brain goes down that automatic path of comparing and feeling bad or I should be doing that too. I'll look at this person achieving all that stuff. But if you step back, you're like, you know, I don't know what it costs them to do this. I don't know how that happened. There's so much we don't know. And that's where the curiosity plays. Ask the questions. You know, it's half, half the battle is asking yourself the right questions so that you can draw a more accurate conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There was an interview on Tom Billiard's podcast. I can't remember. I apologize. I can't remember the name, but I'll, I'll link it below. But um, it was about this woman who was talking about interviews and how terrified when you're doing an interview, you're so, so many people are so scared to even talk about how they made mistakes in the past or why they let go, got let go. And we have to intentionally all together begin to create a world where we can vulnerably share and say, this is what happened and it wasn't my best work or this is what happened. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sad about it or I'm frustrated about it, but I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to grow and I'm willing to change. And I think as we start to create that narrative between us, the world will begin to shift because we'll be more comfortable, right? Sharing our truths and not hiding and having that shame story behind what we're actually experiencing. And so I love that. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm like thinking, I was like, I have so many more questions and I know we're on a time crunch, but I would love for the listeners to really make sure um, that they find out where they can get all of your information, where they can learn about your programs, where they can sign up. And then I know you have a couple offerings that would be incredible for them to grab. So can we dive into that really, really quickly? And then I promise I will get you out of here in a few minutes. No, no worries. So so the website is www.myemq.com. And um, if you're interested, there's a book out. It's just on Amazon. It's called The Wellness Formula by me, Sarah Dean. And it covers the 12 factors. Um, It's a great overview. It's kind of just like tips, how to apply it to yourself, your teams, your organization. So that's one way you can learn more or dive into the topic. And then what we've done is we have this package. It's a special introductory package. You can experience the analysis, you know, take the evaluation like Sarah did. You'll experience some of the techniques like Sarah did. Um, And if you're not fed up with my voice already, I guide you through the content. (laughs) But you will get the EMQ evaluation, the analysis, and you'll start strengthening a competency by working on one of your blockers over an eight week period. It's totally self-paced. And every week you just get the exercises to to work on and you get guidance and support. So for awesome inside out listeners, we're just going to give a special discount to you guys. Um, It will literally cost you less than a cup of coffee a day. And I I think everyone's worth that, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we do, however, have our limited availability for it um, at that price. So it will be first come first serve, but you can go to www.myemq.com forward slash offer. And when you purchase, just use the code awesome. 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 (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful to you. And I know that the listeners are going to get so much value from just this conversation. And I trust they're going to dive in more because this is life-changing work that you and your team are up to. So thank you again. And just endless gratitude for all you're putting out there into the world. Thank you. And thank you for putting the work into the program. You were wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, I loved this talk with Sarah. My own work with Sarah really helped me recognize crucial ways I could increase my energy and recognize my internal stories that were draining my energy. After listening to this conversation, I trust that you'll feel inspired to give attention to the ways you might also be unconsciously using your energy and what stories might be draining you. As Sarah shared, you can start by simply becoming aware. Become present to where your energy is going, both externally and internally, and ask yourself if there's a way to upgrade the story or belief that you're holding. Then it is through allowing yourself to be open to new ways of being, choosing activities and routines that feel aligned with you and your energy levels, and then shifting these stories that you can take steps to feel more energized. And so I'd love to share a few things I did during this process to really help me gain some of my energy back. And so the first thing I did was I learned to create transition time, meaning not jumping from task to task, but really identifying and creating space to stop and breathe between certain experiences, such as not jumping between work into bed or in the morning from bed straight into my emails. I also learned to make peace with my limitations. And for me, this meant realizing that there was a cap on my productivity and output, specifically at the end of the day, and I had to learn how to turn my phone and emails off. I learned to create open channels of communication for my needs. And so I started to have conversations with those in my life so that they could understand my needs and what energizes me. I learned to establish non-negotiable time for myself and the important people in my life. I learned to plan my week ahead in detail versus being vague and open. 
And so I would schedule the harder tasks during the morning when I felt more energized. And this allowed me to understand exactly how I was spending my energy and where I needed to set boundaries so I didn't get drained. And so before you go, take some time to really address and recognize what stories are draining you. Spend this week in inquiry, getting curious, starting to question the stories that are looping in your mind. And I trust that you will find specific stories that really drain you. And you'll also recognize more empowering stories to replace those stories with. Now, before you go, maybe you're struggling to tune out the chatter of other people's opinions or honor your inner guidance. Maybe you need a community that supports you on that journey. If this resonates with you, I invite you to join the Awesome Inside Out Facebook group. It's a private, safe space filled with beautiful hearts coming together to encourage and uplift one another. And for everyone who's already part of that group, thank you so much for helping us build such a beautiful community together. And so if you enjoyed today's conversation, I highly recommend listening to my recent episode with Lola Pickett on how you can step in to a more aligned life. Also, make sure to drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts. Let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more about? How can I support you? And of course, I always want to share and celebrate you. So please tag me in your post so that I can reshare. You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And until next time, I'm sending you a massive virtual hug, so much love. And I trust that you will have an incredible, beautiful week ahead. that concludes this podcast it is my honor to always share with you but hang tight because i have one last thought you are here right now because you are ready because while many of us share the feeling of wanting more not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it but you are here you are ready so this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action just one Write it down, do it, and share it with me. And if you benefit from it, it would mean the world to me if you could please spread this movement and share it with one person who you know would also benefit. We are all in this together, so thank you for being here and part of this movement.